Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Are we humans? Or are we dancers? My sign is vital. My hands are cold. And I'm on my knees looking for the answer. Are we human? Or are we dancers? Or are we Mardu? <laughs> What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. It's that time of year. It's very exciting. We're not actually sure what order the videos we're shooting now are coming out. So maybe it's been that time of year for a long time, or maybe this is the start of that time of year. But either way, <laughs> it's Commander Christmas. <laughs> In April slash May slash who knows when you're watching this video. Yeah, uh, the pre-cons are out earlier this year. They are being released alongside Ikoria in the year of Commander, where Commander matters the most. Uh, really interesting. Normally this happens in August, but now we're getting it much earlier and it's tied to a set. These are our deck upgrade videos. So you've bought the deck, you've bought the pre-con, and now you want to take it to your LGS and maybe tune it up a little bit, but you're on a budget, so we're going to provide you some awesome ways to do so by doing a quick 10 out, 10 in easy swaps. And then we're also going to go through the decks and talk about the statistics as well. Yeah, people love these videos. We do them every single year for the Commander product. It is just a way to like, you grab it, you've got it, you want to play it, you yeah. want it to be able to compete with regular decks, but you also don't want to spend like hundreds of dollars. You just want to get it into play, get it on the battlefield as quick as possible. So we're going to help you do that. Yeah. But of course, before we get started, we need to talk about, well, maybe you haven't picked up the deck yet, or maybe you don't have all of these pre-con decks, or maybe you don't have the Ikoria main set stuff, which is releasing at the same time. You can get all of your magic cards, all that Ikoria stuff. You can either pre-order or order it straight up right now at cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You're going to really want to get your hands on all this stuff that's coming out. There is so much cool stuff coming down the pipe. Jimmy and I saw it uh, as early as a couple months ago, and we've just been chomping at the bit to talk <laughs> about it. So now you can order that stuff. You really should go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. You are going to buy this this stuff anyway, and if you just do it with the affiliate link, you really are supporting all of our content. And not to mention, there is tons of new art that's coming in with Ikoria Lair Behemoths, because we are combining crazy creatures together and doing all sorts of awesome things. It almost feels like an unset, and Ultra Pro is your number one destination if you're going to buy any playmats, sleeves, deck boxes, or any of that to uh, go with these pre-cons. Uh, we have some of these awesome playmats underneath us right now, and the art in the set is something pretty special. Not to mention, there's a ton more art than usual because the pre-cons are out alongside the Commander product. So, I mean, alongside the regular set. So there is no better time to upgrade your playmats and all that good stuff. Make sure you check out Ultra Pro products. You can buy it also at Card Kingdom, and doing so directly supports the show. Yeah, and they really do make the best stuff that protects all your stuff. So if you want your cardboard to stay pristine condition, yeah. Ultra Pro is where you want to go. And the final way to support all of our content is directly if you get a pay patreon.com slash command zone you'll get to watch the next episode of game nights earlier than anybody else mm -hmm. it is the Acoria commander 2020 product we are playing with some awesome guests we won't announce the, who that is quite yet but if you want to see that earlier you want to talk to jimmy and i on discord patreon.com slash command zone is the place to go and we shout out one lucky patron every single episode so this week's episode is dedicated, dedicated to, to josh garza josh Cool name, and you rock. You definitely do rock. Okay. 
So the deck is called Ruthless Regiment, and it is a Mardu Humans deck, and this is our upgrade guide. So again, the rules, as always, 10 cards in and 10 cards out. And we fluctuate a little bit about the budget and how much we're allowed to uh, put in each time because we want to make this affordable and also accessible to everyone out there. So we have a budget around $25. And we're not going to be like to the dollar. Yeah. If it's $26, $27, we are going to allow, we're not going to constrain ourselves like exact to an exact amount, but we're definitely going to try and keep it affordable. So yeah, yeah, the really expensive cards that go in Mardu decks, yes, of course, if you have those, put those in, but we're not going to talk about them necessarily. Yeah, and the mana base is usually one of the places where things get choked up the most, so we don't actually touch that unless it's directly you know, something really special in this That's case. That's a really good point. If you have the shock lands or if you have, you know, lands that obviously the fetch lands that go in these decks, you're going to want to put them in, but the, the deck will function with the mana base that it's got. It'll be playable. So yeah, yeah we're not going to recommend any upgrades for that. Okay. Let's talk about each of the decks this year. They've come with basically, how do I want to put it? Well, technically four new commanders mm -hmm. that you can play, but each deck has a partner pair. Ooh. So it's basically three new commanders that you can run out of the box uh, as the lead singer at the helm. Now, there are other legendary creatures in the deck, but if they're just Rakdos, you can't run that as your commander, right? Because you couldn't have the white cards in the deck. Yep. So you basically have three different options of who you can run as the commander. So we'll run through those now. Okay, the first one is the one on the box. It looks like Tessa Thompson, if you guys it saw really does. Thor. Uh, <laughs> or Creed. Or Creed, yeah. Uh, Jarena Kudrow. So it's one red, black, and a white for a legendary creature, Human Soldier. When Jarena Kudrow enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white Human Soldier creature token for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. And other humans you control get plus two, plus zero. She's also a 3-3. Three, three. So. so slight um, harkens a little bit to Prosh, not the exact same, but mm -hmm. as far as like every time you cast it, you get more tokens yep. because Jarena just comes in. Oh, well, you've cast me three times. I'll give you three tokens this time. Yeah, the rate is not great. If Jarena dies once, she costs six mana and you get two one ones. So even then, it's six mana, two one ones, and but they're uh, three ones. They are three ones. So you technically get uh, nine power on the battlefield. Uh, but if Jarena dies, they become back to one one. So uh, it's interesting. It's definitely something that we've seen as new in this set which is how many times have you cast your commander from the command zone um, outside of, like, again, Prosh? Yeah, um, yeah, and, and then the Anthem effect is nice. So that yeah. is definitely the face commander for the deck, the one that's on the box. And we see every single year that a lot of times that's who you want to run as the lead singer of the mm -hmm. deck out of the box, but not always. Sometimes you run the other legendary. So let's take a look. The next one is Kelsian, the Plague. This card is right at my alley. It's red, <laughs> white, and black for a 2-2 human assassin. Legendary creature, of course, has vigilance and haste. It says, Kelsian, the plague, it gets plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. Wow, I haven't seen that in a while. It's been a few years since <laughs> we've seen the experience counter mechanic. So yeah. experience counters are counters that you as a player get. And then some cards refer to them. And Kelsian also says, you can tap Kelsian and it deals one damage to target creature you don't control. So it tims a creature. And then when that creature dies this turn, you get an experience counter. Hmm. So Kelsian is a tim, sort of, can't hit players, that if the creature that it pings dies, doesn't have to die from the ping, just has to die that same turn. Mm -hmm you get an experience counter and that'll make Kelsian larger. I like that Kelsian has Vigilance Yep. because can be used right away, attacked with. And also Haste is nice because you bring it in and tap it right away. So if they make a block that, you know, looks kind of weird, you talk their, your 3-3 three, three into their 2-4. 
mm-hmm. finish it off, get an experience counter. You can do things like yeah, that. You can do it in combat as well. If you have one ones, because this deck makes a lot of white one one human tokens, you can even ping your own thing. So oh, no, it says creatures you don't control. Never mind, you, you don't do ping, that. Yeah. Yeah, Kelsey and the Plague, only a plague for your opponents. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I like what you said. So you can attack, and even if they block with a 3-3, three, three, it's got vigilance, mm-hmm. ping it, it'll die. Kelsey, you'll get the experience counter. Kelsey will die too, but now the next time you play it, it's a little bit bigger and yeah. yeah. Also, experience counters cannot be affected by your opponents. That's one of those things that we talked about back in the day. These are just counters that will be there forever, pretty much. Pretty much. I think there's a few ways to affect them, but I don't know if there's any ways to remove them, right? There, you can proliferate yeah. and some other stuff, but yeah. like, yeah. No one's going to want to do that yeah. for you. All right, the next two are the partner pairings. So I guess Josh and I will each take one. Uh, the first one is Silvar, Devourer of the Free. Three, a black and a red for a 4-2 legendary creature, Cat Nightmare. And the top line of text is partner with Trin, Champion of Freedom. So we saw this in Battle Bond. Partner with a specific card means that when this creature enters the battlefield, target player may put Trin into their hand from their library and shuffle. And the reason it says target player is because if you're doing two-headed giant, like with Battle Bond, you could play it, and then your teammate could go fetch it out of their deck. Right. And also, you can target yourself, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and if someone at the table randomly has a Trin in their deck, maybe you can... Yeah, that's you know. true. All right, edge case. Uh, Silvar has Menace and also says, Sacrifice a human. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Silvar. It gains indestructible until end of turn. So it's very similar to what Falconrath Aristocrat does. Uh, we, should note, uh, we should mention that the partner mechanic, even the partner with mechanic, that means that both the creatures with partner with can start in your command zone together. So you can have two cards in there. Whereas partner, like Thrasios, Vilesmasher, my favorite deck, any two partners can go in your command zone. Mm-hmm. Partner with, they have to be those two specific cards, the ones that partner with each other. But this that's why this is the other, quote unquote, the third. Mardu. Yeah, the third commander you could have is these two cards that have partner with. Okay, so the second half of this partnership is Trin, Champion of Freedom. It's three and a white for a 3-3. Three, three. Human soldier, legendary creature, of course, has partner with Silvar, as we mentioned, and says, at the beginning of your end step, if you attacked this turn, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. Hmm. So Trin creates human soldiers that then Silvar can sacrifice to... Himself. Yeah, to get a 1-1 counter and uh, become indestructible. It's cool because Trin's the champion of freedom and Silvar devours the free. I don't know how these two partnered up, but... Maybe they're not actual partners. Maybe they're just, like, story partners. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> they seem diametrically opposed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting. Trin is kind of slow, right? And you have to jump through some hoops, but does make some tokens. Mm-hmm. Silvar is a sacrifice outlet that kind of protects itself. Um, interesting. We're going to go through some stats, and then we'll talk more about these commanders. So it's time for... Stats. It's been a while since we've done that, too. Yeah, probably since C19. The last time we said stats, it's still echoing until we did this episode. (laughs) So (laughs) we finally repeated the loop. Okay, so in this deck, okay, we know there are 71 new cards total across all the pre-con commander decks. Uh, There are 17 of them in this deck here. So if 5 times 17 would be... uh, Uh, 85. 85, so there's some that must be doubled up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 63 of these cards are reprints. Uh, that leaves 16 basic lands. So that's in total 79 reprints. Out. Yeah, when we say reprints, we're not going to count the basic lands. Yeah, There's yeah, 63 yeah. reprints that aren't basics. Yeah. <laughs> now, the stats here, I'm impressed. I'm they actually did a good really job. impressed. Yeah. This is a Mardu deck, keep in mind. No green here. Ramp. Eight ramp cards in the deck. 
That's pretty that's pretty good. That's very good. Now notably one is Myriad Landscape. Uh that counts. and there are three signets, so the three signets can fit within Mardu are all here, and one of them is Arcane Signets. So that's Ooh-wee. five uh four of them artifacts already. You know Soul Rings in these decks. Uh and Arcane Signet, of course, a card that people have been asking for for a while now since the Brawl Precons. I like that it's three color and they were like, Nope, we're just gonna put all the signets in there. Yeah. That's great because yeah. that's what you would do in a normal deck. So I like that they're doing that. Um card draw spells. There are eight card draw spells. What? So I mean, Black obviously has a lot of access to them, but there are a couple of spicy cards in here that made me go, no freaking way. Yeah. So, I'm glad. This We advocate 10 of each, so they're very close. It's what Kyle calls our rubric, and mm-hmm. it is like really a great way to build casual decks, to have consistency, to make sure that you're always going to be playing Magic in all your games. And I'm really happy that they've like they're right there like right around the yeah. right amount it's not like they're the greatest card draw spells of all time but they are card draw regardless yep. there are three board wipes in the deck so that's a little under what we normally suggest but also keep in mind all of the commanders we read all have creatures and they all want to attack or be sacrificed so board wipes may not be as important in the deck like this yeah traditionally your token decks don't want as many board wipes we usually advocate somewhere around five so three's mm-hmm. in the ballpark though be happy yeah. with that yeah um single target removal spells there are seven which is great because, again, we're usually saying around five or so, although I've been bumping that number lately, probably Higher. closer to seven, eight yeah. in most of my decks just because interaction is so important. So I, I don't know. These, the, the stats so far look awesome. Yeah, and because, again, this is a deck that may focus on combat, there are five or so combat-esque tricks or things that really directly affect combat and are going to make it harder for your opponents to block. Yeah, that's interesting. Not a lot of combat tricks in uh, Commander, which actually I find makes them more effective because mm-hmm. nobody expects you, you to have yeah. that. Yeah. You, you you never, when someone like swinging in and you know you can eat a creature, it's like they're just doing this to get damage and yeah. I can easily safely block this. Yeah, you almost <laughs> never are worried like, oh, what if they play a giant grass or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> All right, um, uh, so yeah, I think we like these... these um, these stats a lot. In fact, you had an interesting comparison that you put down here, Jimmy. Yeah, Sir Gwyn of Ashvale was the Brawl deck. That was the night theme deck. Josh played it on game nights. And also Mardu. Weekend. Yeah, also Mardu. And the stats on that one were miserable compared to this. There was only one ramp spell, two card draws, including the commander, uh, one board wipe, and six instances of single target removal. So those pale in comparison to this obviously less cards but they're the statistics are not even close to percentage wise right it should still be six six you know three and four or something so yeah this is great i like where we're headed here okay let's talk about um some notable cards oh no no, let's talk about deck value really quick here oh yeah actually there are i mean it's nice right because this is a full commander deck and it's not a brawl precon so you can draw from a much larger pool maybe that's why i think the sir gwen deck suffered a little bit in terms of because in standard how many ramp cards are there even available (laughs) yeah Yeah, that makes sense three mana rocks um so there's a very interesting card that we'll talk more about later as well but i just wanted to bring it up and it's called species specialist it's a black card that I think is like one, it's just great. I'm just going to mention it now. We'll talk about it later. Um, I wrote down that it was red. It's not red. It's a black, two black, black for a two, three human warrior. As it enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. And whenever a creature of the chosen type dies, you may draw a card. Usually these cards are like focused just on your own creatures. But also the more expensive to get out usually. Yeah. And four mana, not bad. Phyrexian, uh, Altar, and Arena, those things are three mana. And it's whenever a creature of the chosen type dies, and there are very often, now this is a human deck, I think every single one of my decks has at least two to four humans in it. And this can go with any tribe, too, because you're choosing a creature type. Yeah. So I really like this card sort of in the greater world of Commander, not just this deck. 
uh, a really cool new card that they've designed. Yeah, thank goodness. Okay, let's talk about the value <laughs> of this deck really quickly here. So it's one thing everybody always asks, what are the reprints? What are they worth? What's the value of this deck? I want to note that we're only taking into account the value of the reprints, not the new cards. At the time we're recording this, the new cards are not even known to the world, and we can't predict what they're going to cost. Yeah. Also, in that same vein, the prices we're going to mention are prior to the decks being revealed to the world, so obviously when they announce, hey, this card's getting reprinted, the price on that card goes down because there's going to be a bunch of it going into the market and supply is going to go up. But I think it's fair to still think of those prices because that's the price the card would be at if it was not reprinted. Mm -hmm. So the value you're getting is kind of still that value, right? Like you want them to reprint the card. And if they hadn't, then that's how much it would have cost you to, to get it yeah. before they said they were going to reprint it. So value of a card is usually directly correlated to how useful or good the card is. Yeah, unless often. there's some weird edge case where it's like it's worth this much just because it's a fun whatever. It was only a book promo that one yeah, time or yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. So it's good to know that these are going to be good cards, and the value is pretty great here. Yeah, so the total value of the deck, at the again, before it was revealed, um, is about $105.65. And that's just the reprints. That's just the reprints. That's not counting basic lands and stuff, obviously. Uh, we broke it down a little further. So the sum of all the cards that are $2 or more is $75.54. Nice. So a lot of those... Um, you know, the, the other $30 that's unaccounted for are cards that are only worth like a quarter. They're worth a gumball, as Andy Hull mm -hmm. and Sean would say. Um, and then the sum of all the cards that are $5 or more, so these are worth a decent amount, I'd say. Yeah. There's six of those total um, worth $5 or more, and they all add up to $43.44. Now, you notice those two add up to more than $105. It's because the sum of the $2 cards includes the $5 cards. Right. It's 2 plus, so 5 plus is in there as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's 16 2 plus dollar cards, and then six of those are $5 plus. So those ones actually take up a big chunk of what the uh, the value is here. Let's talk about some of the notable reprints in this deck. You know, reprints have been a hot button issue surrounding the Commander product the last few years. People mm -hmm. hoping and wishing that they would put some really high value stuff in there. And, and I guess they're just telling us that they're not going to put the really high end stuff in they just they obviously they've heard the community we've seen people like gavin and things like even responding to those types of comments on twitter so they're aware i think us hoping for i've always said i wish they would put one twenty dollar card in each uh, even deck. fetch land we've been yeah there, exactly right? i wish they would i'm gonna say it again clearly they're not going to because they're not doing that this year having said that the value does look decent here um a lot of it's on the back of a card, a card that was just immediately very expensive and hard to get a hold of, and, and now I think it's going to be a lot easier to get a hold of and probably worth a lot less, which is good because you're going to want this in a lot of your decks. Yeah, and I hope it drops down to about what we see Soul Ring always say yeah. that, and that's Arcane Signet. Two-mana artifact. You can tap it to add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. So it's, you know, people think these are better than Signets. These are, you know, it taps for up to five colors, right, depending yep. on... And that's pretty... A two-mana rock that does that in the five-color deck is a very, very good card. So... These were just in the Brawl Precons originally. Those sold out really quickly, and the price shot up. But thank goodness, Wizards obviously knew that this was a card that needed to get reprinted, so it is going to be here. Yeah, this was an $8 card before the reprint was announced. Let's bring it down to 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I want some more. Another card that was an $8 card before the reprint was announced is originally from the Chromatic product a few years ago. Mm -hmm. It's Path of Ancestry. It's a land. comes into play tapped, but you can tap it to add one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. Full stop. It just always does that. It's like yep. a command tower that comes into play tapped. But also it says, 
when that mana is spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander, you scry one. Wow. So in this deck, if you cast a human and you have any of the humans, well, you have to have a human as the mm-hmm. out of the box as a commander, you're just going to scry one every time you do that. So that's just a ton of value throughout the course of the game. Yeah. Even in decks that aren't super tribal heavy, if you have, for instance, like, oh, 50% of my creatures are humans, and you, you know, I think Path of Ancestry is still pretty darn good, because... I think if you're in a three-color-plus deck, you just always kind of want it, because yeah. at the very least, it's a tri-land, and you're always running the tri-land And those that. come into play tap, no matter what. And you can always just name the creature type of your commander. It mm-hmm. is sharing the creature type of your commander, and so you can always just get... It's like a tap land that scries one a couple times a game. Yeah. Very good, yeah. Very good, and occasionally works with a lot of your deck. Uh, shared Animosity, another uh, pretty... It, it, Pretty, I mean, I like this kind of card. It's 200 right for an enchantment. Whatever creature you control attacks, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn for each other attacking creature that shares a creature type with it. So this is just a very easy way to get a tribal attack or a bunch of changelings get to be massive because they get plus one, plus one for each of those. But that was originally a $7.50 card. Yeah, seven fifty. I, I think the tribal decks came out a few years ago and that pumped the yeah. price of this up a lot. And it's good to see it reprinted here. Uh, another one that was about $7.00 before uh, this reprint was announced, is Nahiri the Harbinger. Two, a red and a white for a four, loyalty planeswalker. Nahiri, you can plus two or two, discard a card, and then draw a card, rummage. Negative two or two, exile target enchantment, tapped artifact or tapped creature, or you can negative eight her to search your library for an artifact or creature card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. It gains haste, and then you return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Yeah. Um, so she's just kind of a decent value planeswalker. Yeah, and gets up to eight within two turns. Yep. Can be, you know, doubling seasoned up there too. Uh, another one, Knight of the White Orchid. Used to be a $6.50 card. It's white, white for a 2-2 with first strike. And when it enters the battlefield, if an opponent controls more lands than you, you may search your library for a planes, put it onto the battlefield, and shuffle your library. So it's the closest that white's really ever going to get to ramp in, it's a in great, their colors. It is a really good white ramp card. I wish there were more cards following suit it's like this card. <laughs> like, let's say that we had four more cards like that in white, even if they weren't all at two mana, just along the line, a three drop, a four drop. Yeah. White would be in a lot better position as far as ramp, I think. So good card. Uh, and then the last card that is over five dollars is and i was surprised by this they've reprinted this so many times and yet yeah. it keeps climbing up but we've talked about it in, in the past how if this card's in your deck it's probably the best well, card yeah. or one of the best cards <laughs> of the deck it's skull clamp one mana for an artifact equipment target creature gets plus one negative one whenever equipped creature dies you draw two cards and it equip costs for one so just a staple in any token deck or anything that's going to make a lot of one toughness things because yeah. it's just so much value i dig it yeah so Okay, that's the notable reprints, the deck value. I feel that it's pretty good. Listen, I understand a lot of people are probably going to be a little bit disappointed that there's no big ticket items in these, and I wish there was, but there's not. Uh, I'd rather I, have five small tickets than one big ticket anyway. Uh, I think I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather have a sort of Feast and Famine than like... Well, yeah, I mean... Than four, than four of these isn't cards. Isn't Christmas every day, Josh? <laughs> I think right. the nice thing about splur- spreading it out is that you can put an Arcane Signet in any deck, same with the Path of Ancestry. And, sure. and so you can at least, you know, if you're just buying these to take them apart or you're hoping for the prices to go down, it does help those sorts of collectors. Yeah, it gives you some good tools. Um, you know, we say this every year, but Commander Precons are often for people that are joining the format and trying yeah. to give them tools to join. And so maybe that is a better way to go than one big ticket item although i do I, thinking about it i would also like that sword yeah <laughs> i don't have many <laughs> okay let's talk about the next discussion which we alluded to earlier which is who should you run as the commander of this deck out of the box this is where we do another rundown of stats that's just kind of looking at how the deck's built 
that can kind of give us clues as to who's going to give you the best chance to win if you open this thing up. And even if you just play it with no changes, or if you're doing what we're going to talk about later, which is make just a few changes. Which direction should you go with those small changes? Who should you consider as the commander? So let's talk about the, how the stats break down for that. So in the deck, there are 28 cards that are either humans or cards that create humans, like tokens. And uh, in terms of payoffs, so cards that work are going to abuse those humans or use that uh, to your advantage, 17 of them. So that's pretty, pretty good. That's a big chunk of the deck. Yeah, 17 ways to sort of reward you for having humans. And, you know, we always talk about this when we did our deck building template. We find that somewhere around 25 thereabouts is the number of cards that you need in whatever your theme is. And if Mm -hmm. your theme is humans, 28 right in the wheelhouse. Yep. Um, As far as creation of tokens, there's a lot of that. There are seven of them. And again, these serve overlap into the other categories as well. And if you have a lot of humans, a lot of creatures on the bar, a lot of tokens, you're probably going to want to pump those up. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's a little low, I'd say, on the mass pump, uh, being able to to make all your humans bigger, your whole team bigger. There's only three of those cards. Interesting. One of them is Jarena Kudrow, though, the commander. Yep. Um, Now, let's see if there's any synergy with the tokens. And there are three cards that do that. And, of course, if you have a lot of tokens, one thing you might want to do with them is sacrifice them. So there are two sack outlets in the deck. And, again, one of them is Silvar, Devourer of the Free, one of the uh, on the uh, commander boxes. Or, and, sorry, an, commanders. Yeah. and another thing you want to do often when you have tokens or just a lot of creatures in general is what we would call aristocrat-style cards. Uh, those are cards that sack your creatures, you know, use them as expendable value. And there are about eight what we would say are aristocrat style cards there are also a number of cards we didn't count them as aristocrat style cards but there are a number of cards that sacrifice themselves Mm -hmm. like megas of the wheel and things like that so there may be some hidden synergy in there yeah those will trigger the uh the uh, aristocrats cards right exactly so so that covers kind of Jarena and the partner pairing of Trin and Silvar, right? They are human focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trin and Silvar have a little bit, they have a sacrifice outlet there. Both make tokens. Now, the the ones that are standing out on the cold, you know. Your favorite. The, yeah, the fifth wheel here is uh, Kelsey and the Plague. This is the Tim, the tapper that gives you experience counters, gets bigger, and can ping creatures. And there isn't really any support in the deck. Like, I, I don't know that I can find more than about two cards that I would consider supporting this plan that Kelsian's on. Yeah, it's a very specific plan, too. I mean, your 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 pinger deck, the way that it supports itself is just by putting more pingers in there. Yeah, and, <laughs> so you've and, got, and like some death touch effects and all that. Yeah, exactly. Death touch would be really good with Kelsian because then one damage kills any creature, but there's no nothing to give it death touch. Uh, untapping Kelsian would be good to just ping a couple of times. There's yeah. nothing that untaps Kelsian. Even other damage dealers that can kind of add up so that Kelsian can get a hit in and then the Thing will die would be at least usable but there's really nothing in there so i think kelsian just like right off the bat we can take uh, him or her out of the running or them out of the running for being the lead singer of the deck right out of the box you need to build an entire deck around kelsian it's not going to be you know your commander of this deck right out of the box or even with quick upgrades. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, He is at least a human, so he does contribute to that part of the equation. So now it comes down to an argument between Jarena Kudrow and then the partner commanders of Trin and Silvar. Which would you rather run out of the box? And there's a good argument to be had here, I think, because both of them, I think, really do contribute. And by looking at the stats, we can tell that there are a lot of token creations. But there's also a lot of, like, aristocrat-style cards, which makes the sacrifice outlet on Silvar that much more interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like this because I think one of my favorite things about the Commander pre-cons every single year is this argument, this idea that, like, I can be smart, I can look at the deck, I can break it down, and I can actually go with a Commander that isn't 
the one that they're telling me to use. Yeah. And I say, you know what? I think this one's just a little bit better. And I think here, Trin and Silvar, it might be the better way to go. You you came yeah. to a similar conclusion. I think so. Well, for one, partner commanders, the reason that they're so great is that you start, you know, we say when you're, yeah, two extra cards in your hand, basically, because they're there and your deck is slightly thinner. Um, with one commander, I mean, that by itself can win a lot of partner commander arguments. Over How many commanders would you play if they said, hey, at the beginning of the game, just draw one extra card? Yeah, probably a lot of them. <laughs> a lot of them, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> So if you read Jarena Kudrow's text, it says, when Jarena enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 for each time you cast a commander from the command zone. So that means if you have partner commanders and you've cast both of them once, then Jarena will give you two 1-1s. Right, you'd have both to draw commanders. as a party yeah. 99, but yeah. Yeah, so that's actually an interesting uh, value there where the partner commanders make Jarena better when they're in the command zone as opposed to being in the deck. I like what you, like you reading that text right there because let's think about it. Jarena, the first time you cast her, makes one human soldier. Womp. Trin makes you one human soldier if you've attacked mm -hmm. on your end step. Jarena, the next time you cast her, will make two human soldiers. So that's three the second time. The third time you cast her, she's getting really expensive, but you'll get three. You're unlikely to ever cast a commander more times than that, especially, you know, in a non-optimized deck. Mm -hmm. So Trin is actually, I think, more likely to make you more tokens than Jarena is. Yeah. And use them immediately, yes. right? Jarena could be like, I have a 3-1 token, but I can't swing at everyone, so what's the point? Whereas Silvar becomes a 5-3 when you do it the first time, and you can sacrifice that token or another creature on the battlefield, and it's indestructible. So a lot of people will be like, well, I have to let it go through, or I'll have to chump block, and then Trin's going to trigger, and you're going to get another 1-1. So the value is, I think, a lot more attainable. I also think just generally in Commander, Jarena is a, a card that says... I'm going to win by attacking my opponents, mm -hmm. right? That's just how that card's going to work. It pumps your creatures, it makes creatures. Trin and Silvar has another angle because it is going through a sacrifice outlet, use my tokens and my creatures as a value in another way yeah. type of strategy, which I think is just inherently better in Commander. But this, it's not that Trin and Silvar can't also do that attacky game plan. They just will also have another plan. So I'm totally on board with this idea of running Trin and Silvar as the commanders out of the deck. I think that's the way to go if you want to maximize your chance to win with the deck. And I like what you wrote here, which is the fact that you have to make a decision and think about which one you want to run as your commander. That's a feature. It's not It's not something that's like, ooh, Watsy messed up. It's like, no, this is great. It's great. What do we want in Magic? We want to be able to evaluate, have better evaluations than our opponents about what cards are good mm -hmm. and gain advantage by doing so it's a strategy game and so uh, yeah people get mad when on like game nights last year and i don't maybe i did it this year you don't know yet who knows uh or maybe somebody else did um alicia I, the infinite right yeah i, yeah. Ran, I ran elsha, oh, who, elsha is, yeah. who is not the the lead singer savine is the lead singer of that deck and people were like why didn't josh run that because i'm demonstrating the fact that hey you don't have to do what they tell you. This is a game where you customize it to what you like and what you think is good. Yeah. And make those choices that you think are going to give you those little edges. That's what Magic's about. Yeah, not to mention, if you do want to run Jarena, then maybe you take a few different cards out and put a few different cards in. So, yeah. But for us, I think the flexibility of having a sack outlet here and just giving you another option that's not purely combat-based, Mardu needs those kind of things to pull out uh, victories in the game. Yeah, to be clear, I think if you decide to run Jarena as the commander out of the box... It, the difference between that and Silvar and Trin probably won't be ginormous. Yeah. But I do believe that Trin and Silvar will be a slightly better. And that's why when we're saying, hey, you're going to take 10 cards out of the deck and put 10 cards in, we're going to gear that towards the Trin and Silvar plan. Yep. So just because, again, we want these decks to be up to speed and battling out with real decks as fast as possible. And we think that gives you the best chance. 
Okay, moving on, let's talk about what we think are the best cards in the deck. Don't worry, we are getting to the cards to add and take out. Uh, but there, this one's really interesting because there are a lot of new cards on this list, which is very exciting because it means that Wizards is doing a good job making new cards. I would say in years past, we would do the best cards in the deck section and then the cards to take out of the deck section. And the best cards would always be reprints <laughs> and the cards to take out would almost always be like all new cards. New cards, yeah. <laughs> this time there are a bunch of new cards that were designed for this set that are the best cards in this deck. That's really exciting i think they've done a really good job with design if that's the case yeah however the first best card we're going to talk about is a Uh, reprint (laughs) yeah it's a reprint we've already mentioned it on the show and it's skull clam yeah you're making one once yep and this gives creatures plus one minus one and when they die you draw two cards you draw two cards for a quick cost of one wowzers this is the best card in almost any token deck at least with it's making little tokens maybe not like tristan yeah. and stuff like that yeah i found that skull clamps get blown up way more than soul rings they should <laughs> that card, it's broke it's a broken card uh the next card i did already mention but i do think it's one of the best tribal card draw cards ever printed it's species specialist two black black for a two three and when it enters the battlefield choose a creature type and whenever a creature of the chosen type dies you may draw a card so if you choose human even when the species specialist itself dies you draw a card Oh, by the way, I didn't even think about this until now, but if you choose human and you have Skull Clamp out, when you Skull Clamp something, you draw three Three cards. Hey, Synergy. All right, the next card that's one of the best cards in the deck, also a new card from this set, is Titan Hunter. I really like this card. Four and a black for a four five human warrior. At the beginning of each player's end step, if no creatures died this turn, Titan Hunter deals four damage to that player. If your creatures aren't dying, you're taking damage. Yeah. So this is definitely Aristocrats card, right? Because you want to be sacrificing creatures, you know, during your turn or guaranteeing mm-hmm. they're going to die. And to that point, Titan Hunter has an activated ability, which is one in a black, and you sacrifice a creature and you gain four life. That's big game. I'm not kidding. Four life, an eight point life swing. And this happens on every single end step. Yeah. This is not hard for it to just do like 32 damage to the table like yeah. in a couple of rotations. In one rotation, everyone's going to be like, whatever, fine. But at a certain point, the person that doesn't have a low sack element in the table... Doesn't have creatures at all. Yeah. I mean, this is really interesting because it forces people to interact with the table. Swing in, please, can you block this and just kill it? I don't want to lose that four life. I'm at 10. Yep. You know? So there's a lot of interesting play there. Works really well with your tokens for sure. Verge Rangers is two in the white for a 3-3 creature human scout with first Oh, here strike. we go. Here we go. White... You done did it, wizard. Two and a white. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. Oh, we like most cards that do this. What else does it do? As long as an opponent controls more lands than you, you may play lands from the top of your library. Boom! Boom! It's not ramp. No, it's it not ramp. Is it's card, card draw. And card yeah. draw. Yeah, that's this is a, this is a sick. Right, the Corsair of Crufix in white. In white, Elsha, right, the commander you did can look at the top of your library and play instants. But this is playing lands from the top of the library, and it does have the stipulation that if an opponent needs to control more lands than you. But if you're playing a mono white deck, this is straight up. You must play this in every single mono white deck or Boros deck. I think it's so. It's so good. It's so good. Every time you draw that card. The, every time you play the land off the top of your deck, remember, it doesn't give you additional land drops. Yeah. So you can still only play one, but you just drew a card. Yeah. So this is drawing you like half a card every turn. And in a mono white deck, you're probably playing a card like Sensei's Divining Top just to get any amount of incremental advantage. So that means you can put lands back on top, play them off the top of your library. There's a lot that you can do here. I love this because it says to me that Wizard is listening to the community. The yeah. community has been calling out the fact that white is not getting love for too long. It's falling behind the other colors. This is a great answer. And it's not a 
Teferi's protection smothering tithe level right. answer. We don't want huge haymaker two good cards. This is a cultivate level good card, and that's what White needs. White needs still probably like ten more of these type of mm-hmm. cards to to catch up, but this is a good start. I'm just I'm all glad they give it first strike too, dude. That's a three three first strike for three. That's you know that's it's legit. That's gonna stop a lot of creatures from attacking you. Yeah. All right, the next best card in the deck is also a new card. It's Fireflux Squad. This is a Jimmy card. You got to read yeah, this card. Yeah, okay, okay. Three and a red for a 4-3 with haste. That's it. Uh, no. <laughs> Whenever Fireflux Squad attacks, you may exile another target attacking creature you control. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card. Put that card on the battlefield, tapped, and attacking, and the bet rests on the bottom of your library in a random order. So again, this so you is... You cash in your tokens for a real creature? For a real creature, yeah. This is almost sneak attack level, minus the fact that Fireflux Squad needs to attack, so you better hope it doesn't die. But it's a four mana with haste, so it immediately comes in and swings, and if you have a deck manipulation at all, you can throw your biggest thing on top, or just... Hey, just roll the dice. It's a free card. Even if it dies, it, you didn't have to cast it, and you didn't. It didn't cost you a card. It wasn't yeah. in your hand. Yeah. So this is great. You see, with Verge Rangers and this Verge Rangers, your opponents have more lands than you. Fireflux Squad, you need to be attacking, but the value is really good. Yeah. This is this the is, creature stays. By the way. Yeah, we've talked about five cards so far, and four of them are value cards, which you just don't expect out of yeah. you know, these colors. All right. The next one is a new card and is going to go in a lot of decks. It's Bastion of Remembrance. It's two and a black for an enchantment. Hmm. An enchantment. It says, when Bastion of Remembrance enters the battlefield, create a 1-1 white human soldier creature token. So you just get a token when you play it. But it says, when a creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Ooh. This is a Blood Artist Zulaport Cutthroat on an enchantment. enchantment. Ooh, very hard to get rid of that sucker. That makes me very scared. And it comes in with a token, too, so it starts off the engine if you need to get things going, too. This means we can never invite Kathleen back on game. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen is already just, like, sitting there sleeving each one and putting it into her deck. That, that card's very, very strong. A lot of decks win through Blood Artist, Zulaport, Cutthroat. Yeah. And those cards are vulnerable to removal. This is way less vulnerable as an enchantment. Yeah, because usually you're like, all right, all I'm going to board wipe. I'm gonna, everyone's going to lose, like, seven, eight life, but the enchantment that stays around that keeps the thing exactly. going. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, The last card is uh, just a great card and a great commander if you ever build this deck. It's Alesha, who smiles at death. She's a two and a red for a three, two first strike. Whenever Alesha attacks, you may pay white, black, white, black hybrid. So that is Orzhov twice. If you do return target creature card with power two or less from your graver to the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And we looked into the deck, and there are 15 creatures with power two or less. Again, this is a, a, a human's deck. This reminds me of Fireflux Squad a little bit, but this is a full-on Mardu commander if you want to, because Orzhov is in its activation. I like that all of the cards, almost all of the cards we just ability. talked about are good in our aristocrats uh, yeah. style deck that we're going to build here. Skull Clamp, Sacrifice Creatures, Bastion of Remembrance, you get value, you know, you deal damage for creatures dying. Alesha, get creatures back, then you sacrifice. Fireflux Squad, you could be attacking, get a free creature into play, even if it's blockable. I could sack it maybe and do something. Titan Hunter, Sacrifice Stuff, get value. Yep. Uh, species Specialist, Sacrifice. Draw a bunch of cards. Yeah. So, oh, so, so good. Yeah, so good. So we are going to continue down the path of this aristocrat style deck that we're going to build with our 10 cards that we're going to uh, recommend that you put into this deck and the 10 cards that we think you should take out. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well. Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, 
it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are back. It is time to upgrade this deck, 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 deck. And by doing that, we are going to be adding in 10 cards and taking 10 cards out. And again, our total budget for this exercise is around $25. And I'm happy to say that we definitely hit that mark this time. Uh, there are lots, again, because this is more of a niche thing, it's it's tribal, uh, it's humans, a very popular creature type. There's going to be a lot of cards throughout the history of magic that affect this, which is great. So let's go down the list. Okay. This, this first category I just called duh. These are the no-brainers. Yeah, the no-brainers. <laughs> you are making a lot of tokens. You're going to want, and we've, gosh, who knows how many times we've talked about this card now. It's Cathar's Crusade. Yep. Three white-white for an enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. This immediately synergizes with both of the commanders that we think are the most viable for this deck. Um, there are tons of token creation cards in this deck. And just in general, you're playing cheaper human creatures and you're making your entire board bigger. There's a card like Thalia's Lieutenant in the deck, which pretty much does the same thing. But in this case, if you make a bunch of creatures, then you're putting a bunch of counters and you're just going to win that way. You're going to make huge things. Yeah, and any card that just creates like four tokens at a time, they all get plus four, plus four. Like, it's yeah, pretty nuts. Pretty good. Uh, this next one is definitely a staple if you're in white. And one of the most played white cards is Austere Command. It's four white, white for a sorcery. And you can choose two of the following. Destroy all artifacts or destroy all enchantments or destroy all creatures with converted mana cost three or less or destroy all creatures with converted mana cost four or greater. So you can just destroy all creatures or you can be like, oh, I'm going to destroy the big stuff and all the enchantments. Mm -hmm. You get to pick and choose. And the fact that you get to pick and choose is why it's so good. Yeah, in a deck like this too, you're going to have a large variety of creatures. And I think the humans deck will tend to be slightly smaller. They put yep. citywide bust in here, yep. which is destroying creatures, I think, with toughness or power four or greater. Toughness four or greater, yep. Yeah, so it, it, they're saying, hey, look, your humans may not be massive or they may not cost a lot. So a seer command is just, again, the most flexible and it's converted cost. mana cost so tokens you can just always kind of say four or greater and not hit those a slight spoiler alert we are taking out one of the card draw spells in the deck to replace it with a better one and that's mentor of the meek which i was surprised wasn't in the deck by the way yeah because it's not very expensive it's not like expensive. a one dollar card it and... seems like an auto include here yeah. uh but it's two and a white for a two two human soldier whenever another creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control you may pay one mana if you do draw a card I mean, you're making tokens. This is just a no-brainer. Been one of the best card draw spells in white for a long time. Yeah, one of the only card draw spells yeah. in white for a long time. <laughs> let's, be, let's, let's be real. Uh, the next uh, category is called Better Combat. So in because Mardu decks, I think, with this aristocrat style that we're advocating for here, you need to attack and do that on top of everything else to get people from 40 to 0. Yeah, you're not going to not attack at all, right? This is not a pure aristocrats deck, especially yeah. with only 10 cards going in and out. You're still going to be attacking a little, chipping in damage, and probably finishing Finishing them off in the late game. And Trin wants you up. to attack, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first one is Thalia, Heretic, Cathar. Cathar. Two in the white for a legendary creature, human soldier, 3-2 with first strike. Creatures and non-basic lands your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. 
That is a lot of things coming in tapped. This basically makes all of Josh's lands tap lands. <laughs> That's true. Anybody, anytime anybody plays this card, I'm just like, uh, yeah, it's a it your makes, mana base ugh. gets so bad, and you can't play something and then block with it. Yeah. So if you get behind to the to another deck, you're you're in huge trouble because yeah, it's so hard to catch up. You can't even like I'll play three creatures and block. You can't do that. Yeah, it's crazy tap. because it gets worse and worse for you the further down in your life total you are because all of a sudden it's like I can't attack, and even if I play a bunch of creatures and use my mana this turn, well they're coming in tap so they can't even block. Yep. All right, uh, I like that card a lot. I mean, I don't like it, but I like it. <laughs> uh, the next one you have on the list is Audric Lunark Marshall, three and a white for a legendary creature. Human Soldier, it's a 3-3. Three, three. It says, at the beginning of each combat, creatures you control gain first strike until end of turn if a creature you control has first strike. The same is true of Flying, Death Touch, Double Strike, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Skulk, Trample, and Vigilance. I like how Skulk's on here because it came in the set where Skulk was introduced. It's like no one will care about Skulk ever again <laughs> in Magic, but it just happened to come at that time period. So there you go. This is really, I think, a lot better than it looks in the deck because Silvar, for one, can get indestructible, and you can do that before combat. Correct, and it has and Menace already, too. Has Menace, as we Menace. call it. <laughs> so, uh, Verge Ranger is the best white card in the deck. Has First Strike. Fireflux yep. Squad has Haste uh thalia which we just talked about has first strike so yeah and there's some cards with flying and things like that so this is just a good way to make your tokens hit harder be harder to block yeah harder to kill yep okay next up this is uh an option you have two combat tricks here both of them i think are pretty good the forest the forest i just want to play green the first is boros charm it's red and a white for an instant and has three modes on it you choose one boros charm deals four damage to target player or planeswalker Clarence, you control gain indestructible until end of turn, and target creature gains double strike until end of turn. So Boros Charm, again, it's a great way to stop board wipes, yep. especially in a deck that needs creatures on the battlefield to win, and giving a creature double strike might just also be the one that you get in with. Especially since Silvar is going to grow and grow, and it's yeah. very possible that it's like swinging for eight at some point, in which case they're like, all right. I'll take it. Yeah. It's going to hurt, but I'll still be alive. And you're like, double strike it. You're actually dead. Yeah. And commander damage too. Sometimes that just gets them. Yep. Uh, the last uh, other uh, combat trick is repel the abominable. It's one in the way for an instant. And it just says prevent all damage that will be dealt, that would be dealt this turn by non-human sources. Ooh, that's You insidious. have humans. Yeah. Attack with everything. Because they block and you're like, my stuff still hits your stuff. Yeah. One-sided combat trick board wipe in white. One-sided fog. But pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think between Boros Charm and that, those are both, they have similar things. I probably would go more on the Boros Charm side just because you can kill a Planeswalker sometimes out of nowhere and that's right, really but handy. but Boros Charm's like $3 in this and uh, Repel the Abominable is 10 cents. <laughs> yep. So, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> maybe a quarter. Yep. All right, the next category is Sacrifice and Get Them Back. So, this is more in our Aristocrats theme. The first one is a classic. It's Ashnod's Altar. It's three mana for an artifact, and it just says, sacrifice a creature, add colorless, colorless, two colorless mana to your mana pool. This is about a $5.25 card, but so very, very powerful in decks because being able to cash in those tokens or even those small creatures that maybe aren't relevant on the battlefield anymore for mm -hmm. mana 
allows you to just be explosive and do things that nobody sees coming. Yeah, and Silvar specifically does say sacrifice a human. So while it is a oh. sack outlet, you can't get everything. Interesting. Uh, and so getting two mana for stuff, if you have Species Specialist out, you draw a card too. Pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Silvar also can't sacrifice his next card, which is Angel of Glory's Rise. Oh, yeah. A card that I think a lot of people have like 80 of because they just gave him out his promos at one type. Uh, yeah, this is, a th- this is like a 33 cent card. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that there are eight ramp spells in the deck means that seven mana is not a crazy thing to get to. It's five white white for a creature angel that's a four six with flying. And when Angel of Glory's Rise enters the battlefield, exile all zombies. That can matter. It can, yeah. Uh, against like a Liliana. Yeah. yeah. Then return all human creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. To the battlefield. Womp. In Boom. they go. And with Audric's there and someone has haste, Woo-hoo. they're all swinging. Good night. Yeah, I good use night. this in my uh, Shadowborn Apostles deck because sometimes you oh, can yeah. get 30 Apostles back. <laughs> This card is a house in a deck with a lot of humans, and as we know, this one has a lot, so this is great. Yep. Uh, and the next category is called Aristocraziness. I don't know who came up with that, but that's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. One of our one of our very smart writers around here <laughs> came up with some new copy. I like it. All right, so Aristocraziness, the first card is Judith the Scourge Diva. This is a card that's near and dear in my heart. Played on yeah. Game Nights once. Uh it is one black and red, three mana for a 2-2 two, two human shaman, legendary. It says, other creatures you control get plus one, plus oh. So it does pump your team a little bit. I like cards that are playing dual purpose, and this is doing it. And it says, whenever a non-token creature you control dies, Judith deals one damage to any target. Hey. Any target. It is non-token, but this deck only has seven token creators. So the bulk of the humans and things in the deck that you're going to be sacrificing are actually cards. Mm-hmm. And this means you could sacrifice something to, let's say, Astronaut's Altar or to Silvar. Maybe Species Specialist is out. You draw a card. You ping something. If you can do two or three things, you're just killing things. Also, just going to the face if you have enough creatures out. Yeah. Totally a thing you can do. I've seen so many games end where someone's like, swing with everything. All right, block five of them. They die. Judith pings you for a bunch, and you take this damage. And then I'm just going to sacrifice the rest and do the rest. Yep. Yeah, so a lot of times that's how you get in is that you have multiple attack points with Aristocrats decks. Yeah. This next one is a card that I'm super hot on. I love it. So good. Sir Conrad the Grim, three black black for a legendary creature, Human Knight. Again, a human for a 5-4. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent. So this is any creature dying. It's outside of Sir Conrad. If you get milled. Yeah, Sir Conrad's going to ping everyone for one. Or if you Angel of Glory's Rise and put like seven things from your graveyard on the <laughs> battlefield, that'll do seven yeah. everyone. Even if a creature card in someone else's combat dies and goes to the graveyard, Sir Conrad triggers. Oh my gosh. And then for one in the black, you can also pay it, and then each player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. So sometimes that can just kill everyone too. You just mill everyone out. If you have this and Bastion of Remembrance, that enchantment that's a blood artist or oh my gosh. from earlier, then all of a sudden, like, you only you don't need the very many creatures at that point, five, six, seven, and you yeah. just kill everybody a lot of times. Yeah. And there is a Zulaport cutthroat in the deck too. So uh again, these are our ads. They're basically adding on to the aristocrats giving you a little extra play with sacrificing and making combat a little easier as well. And this is gonna be a really annoying deck to play against if you if you do all this stuff. Because yeah. you just have a lot of ways of attacking people. Either you're like, Great, I drew the Cathar's Crusade and I can make tokens or just play creatures, boom, you're coming in for damage. And once that stops working, you have ways to keep your creatures way more useful than your other opponents might in the board stall. Yeah, I like it a lot. Let's talk about the cards now that we would take out because if you're going to add 10 cards, 
you got to take out 10 cards. So these are the 10 cards we think do not fit the plan of this deck. Doesn't mean we think all these are bad cards. Yeah. They're just not on plan for what, uh, you know, or not the upgraded deck wants to do. Yeah. Some of them are bad cards, yeah. let's be honest. Humble Defector, I wish I could like this card more. I've just, I've seen it on a lot of tables and it usually causes more harm than good. Um, it's really hit and miss. It's not coming back to you. It's one in a red for a 2-1 and you can tap it to draw two cards and then target opponent gains control of Humble Defector and activate this ability only during your turn. You know, I could see an argument where it might be keepable in a deck with enough sacrifice outlets because you could tap it, sack it, yep. they, nev so they never get it. Two mana, draw two cards without haste, unfortunately, yeah. if you wait to your next turn. Which makes it a lot worse because if you play it and then it just gets board wiped. Yeah. And it's only got one toughness and yeah, I don't like the riskiness of this card. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah. But it is fun. It's a cool idea. It's not the worst card, but I would take it out. Yeah. All right, the next one is Crackling Doom. It's... Red, a white, and a black for an instant. Crackling Doom deals two damage to each opponent, and then each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures that player controls. Eh. It's too, again, unreliable, because this is Commander, and often the worst creature for you is not their biggest creature. Yeah, that's the thing. If this said, like, the highest CMC... Or you choose, be, maybe? Yeah, that'd be... Well, I mean, that I mean, wouldn't be sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be crazy. That'd just be... <laughs> that'd just be Single target Destroy, yeah. yeah, you're right. Crackling Doom, I think, is really good in certain scenarios, but I can just, you know, if it, one, we already do have a lot of single target removal in the deck, so this isn't something that I think is like super necessary. Mm -hmm. um, the next card is Bounty Agent. It's one in a white for a human soldier with vigilance. It's a 2 2, and you can tap it to sacrifice it and destroy target legendary permanent that's an artifact creature or enchantment. So just, it's like, it's yeah, just get rid too of slow, commander. too hey. conditional. Yeah, it doesn't even hit everything, and yeah. it's got to, like, you have to untap with it or give it haste in some way. Yeah, I just don't think it's it's good enough. The next one is a card that I think you would think would be good in this deck, but it's actually not. And and we didn't say this at the start, but we've played these decks. Yep. So I've actually played this deck a couple of times, and, you know, we've seen, them, we've seen them in action besides the times we've played them. And this is Titan of Eternal Fire, five in red for a five, six giant. It says each human creature you control gets pay a red, tap the creature, and this creature deals one damage to any target. So it gives them the ability to pay a red and ping something. It's a trap. It's totally a trap because it says humans. And it's like, I'm going to have a lot of human creatures out. Would I want them to be able to pay a red, tap them, and deal one damage? Yeah, of course I would. That seems cool. You will never do that. <laughs> it's just impossible. This thing costs six. And it costs a red to do for yeah. each creature. If so it that... gave all the creatures just tap and deal one damage to any target, just yeah. turn them into straight up Tims, I think it would be worth it. But you're always with this card in your hand. You're like, I'm going to play it. And I won't be able to activate maybe one creature. Yeah, I'm in a three-color deck. How yeah, many red sources I only have? have three red sources. I need one to cast this thing and i actually only have like seven mana so even if i cast it i have one left i could ping something for one and then i gotta wait till my next turn and then my payoff for that risk mm -hmm. of a creature that doesn't really do anything right now is i get to ping i have you know three pings worth next yeah. turn like it's just not good i mean you'd much rather just play any kind of removal spell goblin bombardment's just way better like yeah. i will use the creatures sure. now it costs way less and do the damage that i want to do that's a good point yeah Next up is Frontier Warmonger, three in a red for a 4-4. Four, four. Whenever one or more creatures attacks one of your opponents or a Planeswalker they control, those creatures gain menace until end of turn. So this is like, hey, I'm playing this. Everyone else attack everyone but me because they're going to get menace. Well, what if your opponents aren't attacking? We call it Menace, Jimmy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Do you want your creatures to get Menace? <laughs> yeah, it's just not a good payoff. I don't think that's actually going to convince anyone to attack anybody else. No, I wouldn't. I mean... Also, like, again, sometimes you play against decks that don't do that. It, like, I have one creature out, and yeah, it's holding the whole board up because it's my creature that makes my deck work. I'm just not going to attack with it anyway. I don't care if it gets Menace. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, 
The next one is Sanctuary Blade. It's two mana for an artifact equipment. As it uh, becomes as it becomes attached to a creature, you choose a color. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, interesting. Equip creature gets plus two plus zero oh, and has protection from the last chosen color. So, oh, and it's three to equip. Yeah, three to equip. Two man equipment. Three to equip gives a creature effectively protection from the color of your choice. Although once it's on there, if you wanted to choose a different color you have to slide it something and slide it back yeah three mana to equip and only gives plus two plus like this is just not good enough it's like the worst if it was a sword of series it would be the common version of a sword of because it, five mana is how much it costs to play one of the swords and equip it think of how much worse this is than a sword that's sword what i'm saying it's the common gives, version yeah. not the mythic version it's the common the this, sword is, a, gives this you, is a rare to be fair but still uh, it could be better like you could at least choose two colors. Imagine if the equip cost was one. What is, does what does it give any toughness? Yeah, if the equip cost was one, it would it still wouldn't be awesome. It'd just be decent. You don't need the toughness because it's going to get protection, so it can swing through. Arguably, I'm guessing is sort of the thing. Like, it's going to uh-huh. get protection from one color. So, like unless they're playing monocolored, like uh, or all their multicolor cards have that color in it. I just think that card's bad. Yeah, uh, we, you tried Sanctuary Blade. It's okay. We still appreciate you. <laughs> you tried. <laughs> uh, Bonder's Ornament is a three mana artifact, and you tap it to add one mana of any color uh, and it also has an interesting thing on here is four mana tap each player who controls a permanent named bonders ornament draws a card uh, so bonders ornament as you might expect is in the pre-cons it's uh, in each it's in every deck yeah yeah and i think this is literally a card built for the environment where you play the pre-cons against each other yeah it's the type of you card may you may never see it. this pick card ever again <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to see this in the battlefield in regular commander, right? Three Unless man- you're really starved for mana rocks, but then there's so no, many other things there's so many do. better ones. There's, there's some that like you pay mana, they turn into a dragon or something. Three mana taps for a mana of any color. That's Manalith right there. Yeah. And then it has the secondary ability of four mana tap it, and each player who controls a permanent named Bonders ornament draws a card. So it's four mana draw a card in the best circumstance. You draw one card and nobody else draws, or is it better if two players draw two cards? It's only good if you draw one card. Right, but because player... I don't want to be paying four mana so somebody else can draw two but cards. But you're not drawing two cards. They're only drawing one because they're a player that controls Bonder's Ornament. Well, I'm saying if they have one and I have one. Oh, then you both are doing it? But that's... I don't want to be the one paying the mana, the four mana. Cause... Yeah. Yeah, that's not great. No, thanks. If and four if three... mana draw cards. <laughs> if three people have it, like, you better hope that the fourth player is the is the arch enemy because right. whoever's paying the mana to activate this thing is getting hosed because they're paying for other people to draw. If they have Bonner's Ornament, yeah. Yeah, and then four mana to just draw a card yourself if you're the only one that has it is not a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks. I don't like that card. Okay. The next, the last two cards we are going to recommend that you take out are in a cycle. So there's this new cycle of impetuses. There's one in every color. Impetize. Impetize. <laughs> I, right. I don't know what the plural is. Impetious. <laughs> uh, obviously, the three in this deck are the the, mono, the Mardu colored ones because there's one for each color. So mm-hmm. um, let's read the two that we're going to take out. The first is Parasitic Impetus, two in the black for an enchantment aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and is goaded, which means that it attacks each combat if able and attacks a player other than you if able. And whenever Enchanted Creatures attacks, its controller loses two life and you gain two life. So the idea here is this is pseudo-removal on an opponent's creature. You put it on their scariest thing and all of a sudden their 5-5 flyer has to attack each combat and it can't swing at you. And when it does attack, you drain them for two life. And I think also they kind of are just making a nod to, yeah, if you wanted to, you could put this on your own creature. Yes. And then you can sort of, I don't know, 
have more control over it and it does pump it yeah um, there was that whole cycle of well, if you place on your own creature though you also gain no life it just you lose two and gain two yeah that's true <laughs> yeah that's true uh yeah this one seems particularly bad there are a couple other ones that maybe you would put on your own creature yeah um there was that cycle from before it's like the vow of whatever oh right right that just straight up said creature gets whatever and can't attack you mm-hmm which just seems better than Goad. Because remember, Goad has the downside because the way Goad is worded is must attack a player other than you if able. Mm-hmm. So if it's ever down to 1v1, they're not able to attack somebody else. They can now attack you with the goaded creature. Also, yeah. if multiple goads are put on a creature, it can get pretty hairy where then they can again attack anybody because everybody goaded the thing. Right. It, it, the rules around goad kind of get weird. I like goad as a mechanic. I just don't know if I like it in this instance. It's so bad in 1v1. You draw this card, and then you're like, I have three mana, make my creature a two, plus two, plus two. Yeah. Ugh, no thanks. Yeah. All right. Uh, the red one is called Shiny Impetus. We're also suggesting that you take this out of the deck. It's two and a red for an aura, enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus two, and is goaded. Also says whenever enchanted creature attacks, you create a treasure token. So this, at the very least, you could put on your own creature and get a mm-hmm. treasure token whenever it attacked. That's not the worst. Obviously not great, because the value of one treasure token is not equal to a card. So if somebody untaps and kills this thing, <laughs> you get two for one, and it kind of sucks. Yeah. Uh, putting it on somebody else's creature, again, they must attack, so you're going to get those treasure tokens. Um, but it's so bad 1v1, and yeah. the treasure token I don't think is worth a card slot. No. And you could just, like, the cards that we told you to put in are way better than Shiny Impetus. So it's interesting because there are three impetuses, impetusai, impetai, impetusai, So we're not suggesting that you take out this white one, yeah, which is called Marshall Impetus, Marshall Sutcliffe Impetus. <laughs> Marshall is that Marshall on the card? Uh, he's so impetuous that Good Marshall man. is that impetuous is different than impetus, huh? Those are not related. Those yeah. words just sound alike, but have nothing to do with each other. Okay, I'll continue. Marshall Impetus, two and a white for an aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, hmm, a little smaller, two, yeah. and is goaded. But it says, whenever enchanted creature attacks, each other creature that's attacking one of your opponents gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Uh-huh. So this is way more likely to go on your own creature if you have a lot of creatures, right? Because it mm-hmm. now makes your creature pump your team. Now, again, you can play this on an opponent's creature, and then whenever they attack other creatures not just the one with this enchantment on it at players other than you that stuff will get bumped yeah the downside of playing for instance a shiny or parasitic impetus on someone is that like oh you made my big creature not be able to attack well, i'll swing at you with the other ones yeah because screw you i can't believe you did that to me martial impetus gives them actually another smaller not as crazy reason but for them to go like oh yeah maybe i do want to swing at this person because my four four becomes a five five and all of a sudden that's definitely getting in it still has a problem of, like, if that actually comes to fruition and works, they kill the other player, and now they can't attack you because <laughs> you're, it's, you're 1v1. Yeah, it's just you and them. But yeah. you are in a token deck or a deck that's go wide has a lot of little humans, and so putting this on your own creature and suddenly swinging, giving your team plus one, plus one, is a lot better than the other two. Yeah. Okay, those okay. are the cards we're going to take out of the deck, and that does it for the 10 out, 10 in. Now let's talk a little bit about how the deck plays. Josh, I think you had the most experience with this deck in particular. Yeah, I think right now the deck plays kind of as an aggro deck and it's early game aggression and tends to, you know, sort of slow down in the mid to late game. And I like the changes that we've made here that we're suggesting because I think what the new deck will play, like the upgraded deck, is still you get that early game aggression and you get some stuff out and you're going a little wide and you're probably going to get creatures on the board before everybody else. Mm -hmm. Smacky, smacky, get them down a little bit of life. But then at the time when the deck out of the box is starting to 
you know, hit that wall, hit those speed bumps, not be able to get those free attacks in anymore. Now we've added these pieces that say, no, I can sort of grind out with the aristocrats parts Mm -hmm. the last, you know, the last third of everybody's life or suddenly be explosive, sacrifice a bunch of stuff with my bastion of remembrance out and boom, still take this game. Whereas I think the deck out of the box runs into that wall where it's like, uh, sometimes it can feel like, oh, I didn't win fast enough and now I just can't win. Yeah, I think the the fact that you do have an option of aristocrats, even if you draw it early, it's still really good uh, because it's going to put your life total up and that lets you attack more mm-hmm. because you can take more damage on the way back. So I do like what we did with the deck here. I think it is the right choice to not play Jarena as the commander as well. Um, now, the time that you did play, you did play Jarena and those three ones, turns out three one is a big difference than one one. one. Yeah, yeah. The, you were cracking in for six, nine damage sometimes, and that, you know, that's a quarter of someone's life total right there. Yeah, but they stabilize, and Jarena doesn't make a ton of tokens. That's yeah. what I found out, was like, oh, she dies once, you get two more, and then you, that's kind of it. You're not casting her a third or Eight fourth or fifth yeah, time. No yeah. thanks. So th- that's why the deck sort of tends to peter out. So I think being able to use your tokens and your creatures as expendable resources to kind of cash them into other effects is really a way to take this deck sort of up to the next level. Ching! Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this quick deck upgrade. To the listeners, what do you think of this Mardu deck? What cards did we miss that you would put in? Uh, would you maybe run Jarena instead of the partner pair? And if so, I think there's a totally different 10 cards you would add and take yeah. out. Yeah, so I'd love to see in the comments or hear from everybody out there. Oh, I, I think I would run Jarena, and here's what I would do with the deck. If you if you want to put that out there for people who are maybe thinking like you are but want some suggestions, I think that would be helpful. Yeah, and I'd love to know if you want to even use the deck as Kelsey and the Plague and take it apart a lot more and oh, do something yeah. like that. I think I might build a deck around Kelsey and because it's it, pretty it's, sweet. It's tapper and tapper with no blue. Yeah. So that, that appeals to me. Unfortunately, sure. not many of the experience counter cards in these mm-hmm. colors uh, do well, so you can't get that cross synergy going, but... If you want to purchase any of these cards or pick up any of these singles or the pre-con itself, because again, great value, an amazing present. I can't say that enough. It's such a good present to someone that's like, oh, I've been interested in Commander. How should I start? have them look at the colors or sort of make a guess for them and buy them a pre-con. Head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They do a great job uh, shipping sealed product, uh, usually domestically. There's some rules about that. But they also have singles, products, uh, tons of stuff that you can buy for friends, including regular board games as well. And you're directly supporting the show when you do that. And you're bringing more people into the format. So really, you're doing yourself some good as well as us. And it's a win-win. Yeah, creating new players is always really, really good. And when you pick up these cards, these decks, you really do want to immediately protect all this stuff. A lot of these new cards, there's a whole cycle of new cards. We didn't go into every card in this deck that are free to cast. If your commander's on the battlefield, a lot of these things are crazy. They are going to be valuable. Some of these, I'm very, very sure. So what you're going to want to do is keep them in really good condition. Keep them mint or near mint. And the best way to do it is as soon as you open that box up, you get some Ultra Pro sleeves and you you sleeve that stuff up so that it'll stay in good condition. condition. You play on a playmat so they don't get all scuffed up and dirty. You put them in a sweet deck box. Yep, you can protect the cards even further by putting them in a deck box when you're carrying them around, putting them in your backpack and stuff. Don't do what I used to do, which is just put a rubber band around (laughs) the cardboard of the cards. And you have dual lands that have the rubber band mark on them now. Don't do that. Yeah, that's a bad look. Yeah, just... You, you and Jesper both uh, are people that do this. We didn't know they'd ever be valuable, but, you know, yeah, you yeah, know sure. now. You have no excuse out there. Use Ultra Pro products. They are the best stuff to protect your stuff. And that'd be a really great gift. Yeah. right. If someone bought me a pre-com with a deck box and the sleeves, and, like, this is what you need to get going, I'd be so happy. It'd be a real, And, you know, maybe it's someone's birthday coming up. Pretty awesome. All right, we are going to skip the end step for these upgrade videos because as you may have noticed, depending on when this is coming out, we're releasing a lot of extra videos around the time of these decks coming out. We've got the main set coming out. There's going to be a bunch of bonus content. So we just don't have that many cool things going on outside the world of Magic right now because the stuff going on inside the world of Magic is so nuts. Yeah. 
All right. <laughs> a lot going on. All right. On to the cleanup step. Instead, we are discarding the hand size because our editing, graphics, and logistics team has grown. It is Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, and Sam Waldo. You know, if we did not have a team this size, there's no way we could put out the amount of content that we need to to really cover the the fact that a commander set and a regular set are coming out at the same time. Yeah, so, I remember two years ago, or maybe three now, when it was just you and Terry yep. in the edit bay, and it was August, and that was when we did like the spicy challenge and all that stuff, and we had all the commander decks coming out. It felt like we were running around with our heads cut off because there was just so much happening and barely enough time to even just try and figure it all out, make all the outlines and all that stuff. And having this team here is definitely a lifesaver. And we should mention that that is the same team that is also work- working on the post-production for the EDH rec cast and doing such yes, a great absolutely. job. Yes, uh, absolutely. And also a special thank to thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Cards animations that begin and end all of our episodes and also are behind us here in the scary Rakdos dungeon that we're in. Yeah. <clears throat> There's no white in this dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost Mardu. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go outside now because yeah. out there, that looks scary. Yeah, that's why we're in here <laughs> hooking you all up. So make sure you check us out, youtube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. You can find Jeffrey online at Living Cards MTG. All right, more decks to come or more decks in the past. We don't know when this episode's coming out, so we'll, <laughs> who knows? Maybe we're Nostradamus, maybe we're not. <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee there will be more decks to come from us okay, yeah, that, in one way, way shape or form yeah, we'll just make very broad <laughs> predictions <laughs> all right everybody thanks for watching bye see you next time peace thank you for your attention for further inquiries send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.